We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dame Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. Coming in at Thursday morning, it's January 4th. We'll discuss some prize picks later in the episode. Remember to use promo code Dane for a $100 sign up bonus at prizepicks.com or the Prize Picks app. On today's show, I have Kyle Tige with me, and we are going to discuss uh, the Wolves having lost two in a row after they lost to the Pelicans last night, their first time losing two in a row all season. Uh, we'll get into what Finch and some of the players uh, said about what needs to get back kind of right for this team. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Cat and him in particular unlocking more uh, of this team. And then we'll talk a little bit about the Pelicans as a potential playoff matchup. Kyle, you told me you have a bunch of different stats. <laughs> Mustacheless Kyle Tige, how are you? Yeah, this is your fault, Chris Finch, if you're listening to this. Woke up at 5.30 a.m. on a Thursday to shave my face. Uh, good morning. Uh, the vibes are low. They have lost consecutive regular season games for the first time since Mar- March 31st, 2023. Uh, and it might be over. Everything's broken. They're the worst offense in the league. They don't play defense. And we're close to a players-only meeting. On the one-year anniversary, basically, of having a players-only meeting after that Pistons loss. Which are you I still- serious? Is, is that, you're not joking? Well, remember it was like New Year's Eve. No, I'm had... talking about. Are you serious? That oh my god, bad? no, 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 no. Okay, well, uh, I, I think like some people would be like the, the house is burned down, and then I looked. I was like, well, are they in the play-in still? And it's like, oh, actually, they're first in the West. Uh, and I know that might be condescending to some. Uh, there are issues, and I think today I do actually have some numbers, and you have some great quotes, and there are issues. But to me, they're the same issues that we kind of identified throughout the season. Yeah. And all that really all that really matters to me, man, is this 12-game stretch because we are in this storm. I kind of tried to joke about this the other day on Flagrant House. We're in this storm that we all had predicted a storm was coming. Like we all said on December 11th, they have this 16-game stretch. If they could just go 8-8, eight and eight, let's all regroup on January 10th. Well, we wake up this morning and they're 7-5, and five, right? Mm-hmm. So they really just, if they could find another win in this next four-game kind of road trip, uh, you would think they had hit the point that we had hoped they would hit a month ago. But I think the way they've hit that point and then just the fact of, and there's some scar tissue here, them starting to regress and look clunky and look like 
the, you know, basically the the Gobert Towns experiment that we saw a year ago in those first 10 or so games before Carl went down. That's kind of how the offense looks. So things to get into, especially turnovers. I thought there was just some great quotes last night, especially from Ant. Yeah, uh, let me just play the the Finch one I sent you about. Yeah, that one was good needs too. needs to get better, you know, and just to get things back on track, here's Finch. It's real kind of patch of adversity that, that you guys are hitting. How do you, how do you handle it, I guess, right? Well, now? I mean, we got to get our desperation back. That's the first of all. You know, I think we got we to gotta play better. We haven't played, like, with a lot of pop and purpose uh, since we went to Sacramento. Um, we've kind of been, you know, maybe in second gear since then. Um, so this, you know, this performance had been coming for a while in the sense that we just hadn't been very sharp. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be lots of ways of adversity. There's, way, there's adversity in the game, there's adversity in the season. And this is just another one, but we got to, uh, we got to fix it. We got, we got to get our physicality back. Got to get our defense back. We got to get our identity back, which is like being more physical, being bigger. Um, well, I guess that's the end of the quote. <laughs> he's, he's, he's lost his mind too. He's like, yeah. I don't know what to say anymore. No, it, I guess the, I, I clipped that quote this morning and I forgot <laughs> that's where I ended it. It's early. It is yes, very early. It is very early. Actually, let me let me say that first here too. Normally Thursdays are the the Brit pod. Brit's writing this morning. Bump Kyle up a day. I'm actually gonna be uh going out of town here for, for the next couple of days. So this will be the last pod this week um until until I guess Monday uh, after the, the Mavs game. That'll be the next one coming up. But Anyways, what, what needs to get better there? The thing that really, uh, you know, stands out to me in that is is what Finch kind of closed with there is we got to get our physicality back. We got to get our defense back. We got to get our identity back. What do you think? How do you think they do that, Kyle? Like, what what is, how do you go from being a team who starts the season and one finds an identity, right? Finch talked about that pregame yesterday. It was like, we never found an identity last season. This year, we found our identity, and it's about sustaining it. Like, they found an identity early. It was a good one. They really embraced it for, for you know, 20, 25 games or whatever it was. And now they're, it seems like that's where the rope is slipping in some ways, too, is losing some of that physicality and that size and that way that they were imposing themselves early in the year that seems to kind of be showing up on both sides of the floor. Like, what, what has to happen? Well, the the word that I like that Finch used was adversity because I don't think this team had faced a lot of that this season. Uh, and back to your your concept of like finding an identity and stuff. The reason some people, the reason a lot of people, and I get it, are are starting to panic, especially after they finally join all their 29 teams or 30 teams in the league and have a losing streak, is that... Are, are people really freaking out? I, I, I think people, people are, are panicking. Out. I Sorry. I, just, I really do. And, yeah, and I don't, again, not speaking for everyone, but I do think that people are freaking out. And the reason they're freaking out is because they followed this franchise for long enough yeah. that they can predict, like, old knees when it's about to rain, you know? Like, oh, it's starting to hurt a little bit. It's like, <laughs> oh, I bet you it's going to rain. That they wolves feel arthritis. Like, yeah. yeah, they feel like the wolves arthritis that rain is coming. Um, and I get that as a fan. I'm more looking at it through the lens of an NBA fan and all these teams ebb and flow. Like, I, I'm really on this kick of looking at what the Nuggets did month in and month out last year, the defending champion, Denver Nuggets. And they had a stretch of basketball, I think, from, like, middle of January to early February that was just, like, 
500 ball. Or they had a stretch in December where it was like two losses, one win, two losses, one win. They had a couple of three or four game losing streaks. And it's just the ebbs and flow of all this stuff. And again, that's not an excuse. There are really bad numbers. If you want me to answer it succinctly, what can they do to stop this? Stop giving the ball to the other team. They are 30th. And I I was telling you before this, like I looked at this 12-game stretch because, again, that's, to me, all that really matters right now. It'll get easier. There's a lot of Pistons coming up. That'll be a new challenge, right? Like, are the Wolves with this new identity able to continuously beat the bad teams? That's what doomed them last year. But over this last 12-game stretch that they're 7-5, and 30th in turnovers, just straight, 30th in turnovers, 28th on the season. Their 30th in turnover percentage, which is almost two percentage points worse than 29th. Which, which is go, like a huge amount when it's like 16%, right? So yep, it's like, that yep. is, it is, yeah. It's I, like I first is 11 and then second's 11.1 and then 11.2. And then it's like the Wolves are like 101. They're just <laughs> way away from everyone else. So right. the 30th in turnover percentage, 28th on the season. On the season, that's only ahead of Utah and Detroit, two teams that we would deem are very bad. They're 30th over this 12-game stretch in assist-to-turnover ratio at, like, just north of one. So basically, and I think the first-place team is, like, 2.6. So it's not mm-hmm. a huge difference in the numbers, but it's pretty big if every time I have an assist, I'm going to follow it up with a turnover, or if every time I have two assists, I'm going to then just have one turnover. Uh, and that same stretch, they're 19th in offense, or 19th in offensive rating, 4th in defensive rating. So even though they're playing all teams above 500 and all teams that are in the playoffs— that defensive identity is still there, even though, you know, last night, again, it kind of slipped against the Pelicans or, or whatever. And then the ones that really stand out to me, turnovers. We just said it. They are last in the league during this stretch in every turnover metric you can find. They're 28th in three points attempted and 25th on the season, but they're fourth in three-point percentage and fifth on the season. So they don't take them, but when they yeah. do take them, they make them. And they don't take them sometimes because they're just handing the ball off to the other team who is in scoring in transition. Uh, to me, those six or seven stats are like, okay, I'm not that concerned. If we could just stop turning the ball over, have, and now you can hop in here and be smart and be like, well, how are they going to execute more on offense? How are they going to do that? If they could just cut down their turnovers and take more threes, I think that offensive rating goes from 19th to like 12th. And that might be good enough to make a run, right? You would love to be top 10 in both, but if they, they were, can just They were be... 13th before... Yeah, exactly, or 11th for a while. Yeah. yeah, I just remember looking it up, and before this difficult run, which actually started, this 12-game stretch you're talking about is bookended by two Pelicans' losses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it started, and then last night, uh, they, they lost to them as well. They were like an, a slightly above-average offensive team um, with still a lot of the same offensive issues back then. Yeah. Um, I I think I actually think the defense is really tying in to the offense. And that that kind of is somewhat incongruent with the numbers that you're having there. I think a lot of the really strong offensive bursts from this team were inspired by a really strong defensive play. Right. I think about the beginning, you know, early, earlier in the season and it'd be it felt like every Rudy block led into a fast break like Nasri or Anthony Edwards dunk, mm-hmm. you know, and I think there's because this isn't a perfect offensive team, a team that turns the ball over too much, a team that, you know, lacks shooting and spacing and just they're they don't really have personnel to be a great half court offensive team. So 
to be, you know, a an above average offensive team, I think it's really important that the defense kind of inspires that. And it did at the beginning of the year, and it isn't right now, but I do kind of buy into some of that cliche of like, it's kind of hard to play defense like that for 82 games, the way they were. And they do, like Finch said, they got to get back to it. But I, it makes sense to me that not all 33 games or whatever have looked the way the first eight did defensively because, you know, it is, I think it's a, a difficult thing to do. And what needs to happen then if the defense can't be that 10 out of 10 that it was all the time, then the offensive shot making just needs to happen, right? And that needs to be, you need Ant to step up there. You need Carl to play some of his most efficient basketball. You need to not be turning the ball over as much. So I just don't think they're doing this thing of balancing it well. When the defense drops a little bit, you need the offensive shot making to go up. If the, you know, if the offense drops, the defense needs to be more, spiked and and it just doesn't feel like it is right now but if we, okay. can, if we can go back to again I, i've got six statistics here there's just seven more than i've had all season 28th in three points attempted and they're yeah. fourth in percentage like you're, you're a smart basketball person i learn a lot from like tell me what to do with that because it's it's a basic thing of like they don't take a lot but when they do take them they make them and i'll be honest i'll even slip into tinfoil hat mode a little bit it's like how many how many of these guys know like that they're close to 50 40 90 how many of these guys know like because i think sometimes the efficiency and i think this is a league-wide problem this is like i always hate dane when these guys don't take half court shots at the end of a quarter right i know that if i take 12 of them over a season it's going to lower my percentage a little bit who cares like hitting a three seems like momentum building way more than it is it's not going to hurt my contracts or whatever Mm -hmm. uh but why don't these guys take more threes? Yeah, I mean, I I I had that thought yesterday too. Of just, I mean, to me, they absolutely need more spacing, and they need Carl to do that. And Carl needs to go into the corner sometimes. You know what the play of the week was? I don't know if you talked about this yet. I'm still catching up on the pods. By the way, go subscribe. Great pods. <laughs> Carl taking Carl sprinting into trend in transition sprinting into a three-pointer against the Knicks to cut it to four late in the fourth quarter. That was the quickest release I think I've ever seen him have for his shot. It looked unguardable. He just got the ball at half court, took two or three dribbles, and just let it fly. That was the first time I've seen that since Rudy Gobert got here. Mm -hmm. They're not really related, but, I mean, why wouldn't you just two or three more of those a game? Like, that, that in and of itself, a quick early shot, six seconds into, you know, you get a defensive rebound, 18 on the shot clock, Carl just lets it fly. You have now avoided a turnover and had one more three-point shot. And yeah. you're fourth in the league in making them. So, I mean, those are just little intricacies of, like, let's just fire up some more threes in transition. Mike's good at it. Ant's good at it. That would be a simple way because, again, to your point, there's structure and there's all these conversations about running more plays and more sets. I don't know. Maybe that's not the answer, right? Because maybe that's how they're turning the ball over sometimes. Maybe they just need to let it fly when they get the defensive rebound, and that could help some of these problems. Yeah, no, I mean, Carl's shooting the fewest threes of his career since the general soreness Jimmy Butler year. And that's on Finch, I think. I mean, I really do. Like, I, I, I have to be honest when I'm tweeting out his coach of the year odds and saying I'm 
maybe the most pro Finch person. At some point, you just have to get because to me, it's like if they're not going to get more out of Carl from taking threes, and you already have Mike kind of scoring a little more, and Ants mm-hmm. hunting thirty every night. It's either Carl has to play more, or we need to make a trade, or like I don't know what happened to Troy Brown Jr. I don't know if the resolution was to not play basketball anymore, but he came in last night in garbage time. But he just he has a quick release. He digs in for defensive rebounds. I don't know what happened to the rotation, and I'd like to talk about that more in a little bit too. But I, I just don't think the answer of needing to establish spacing and shooting needs to be about the eighth and ninth men or whatever. Like yeah, sure, Kyle yeah. Anderson is Kyle Anderson is part of it, and he's not shooting threes, and that you know we've talked about this so many times, but like messes up your spacing and stuff because he's not playing out of the corners. I mean, it is it is really jarring to me when I watch the rest of the NBA, how much more those teams utilize the corners mm-hmm. compared to the Wolves. And it seems like it seems like a small thing, but like to your point, this isn't necessarily a bad three-point shooting team. It's not the volume. Well, that's the place that they that you can get more volume to come from, particularly when you have Anthony Edwards initiating offense, getting doubled. That is almost always then a couple swings away from being a, a corner three-point shot, but Carl Anthony Towns has only made two corner threes the entire season. That I, I don't understand that. But what I try to understand it, I think Carl has made a lot of concessions, right? In the past now year and a half of moving to power forward, which comes with a whole litany of challenges for him that are different than than previously and and he's also kind of so he's kind of had to seed his position right center he's also kind of had to seed his number one in the pecking order status to to ant and then whether it's conscious or not like maybe subconsciously it feels like maybe to him it feels like a major relegation into like full-on role player status to be in the corner and in your head, you're like, am I just PJ Tucker on this team? Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? And, and I would get that. I get that in from, from Carl's perspective, but at the same time, I ask myself, like, who else is going to do it? Well, mm-hmm. who, who else on the team can at least, and again, it doesn't need to be all 48 minutes, but how can you establish some spacing early in the game so as to be able to have the offense kind of rolling and you don't have those five, six turnovers in the first quarter and you start in a positive way and then maybe pull Carl back into the delay at the top of the key or you find him in the post and that. But um, I, I just, I think this team needs more of that playing out of the corner. Ant could play out of the corners a little bit more too. Mike could initiate. There's just, they're missing the spacing at a, a "Quote unquote normal team has, or the rest of the teams uh, around around the league have, and I just think that's, I don't know, I don't know where that starts other than with Cat. Everyone, everyone got really triggered when Carl said he was the best shooting big man of all time, and they mostly got triggered because they're like, "Have you heard of Dirk Nowitzki?" I got triggered because since then, if I if if you if you called yourself, if you texted me and said I'm the greatest podcaster of all time, and you recorded once a week kick you like it's like you're not the you, you're the best and you're doing it once a week like that's not a thing so if you're the best shooting big man of all Deion time waiters right yeah, yeah definitely all I, would, 
Jamal Crawford, Jordan Crawford, all those Crawfords. Like, you just got to let it fly more. And again, I'm I'm still very pro-Finch. I see what some of the skeptics, kind of how they show that his offense has moments where it's just there, no one's doing anything and it's just a lot of dribbling. But to me, it's like that's like the happy medium of leaning way too much into structure, way too much into flow is just finding ways and transition if you do have this defensive identity to get your players, especially Carl, more opportunities in transition, just let it fly. I mean, last night, and we can go to break, last night was crazy because every player, every player on the roster, except for Rudy Gobert, obviously, got the ball in a good spot to take a three, pump faked and dribbled into the pressure. Every one of them. It's like a new drinking game. It's like, why are we all pump faking and turning down what are essentially probably good looks Mm-hmm. in an opportunity, I guess, to find great looks. But those great looks don't really exist. They don't exist with the space. I mean, Jade McDaniels last night was contested on a fallaway jumper by Rudy Gobert in the first <laughs> half. Like, the spacing is broken, and they just need to let some of those shots go up, if nothing else, an experiment. Like, can we – let's get 10 more threes and then see what happens. All right, Kyle, like you said, let's uh, let's grab our first break here. Uh, this is a new sponsor we have, uh, Stone mm. and Skillet. Uh this is one of the cooler for me, like experiences of somebody reaching out to want to advertise because I already owned, I already had these at my right, house. Yeah. Uh, when they, 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 they sell stone and skillet English muffins at, at Whole Foods and I shop, I live by Whole Foods. And so I shopped there and I was, when they reached out and were like, Hey, uh, would you like to sponsor English muffins? I'm like, what? One? Uh, I love English muffins too. I actually already have stone and skillet uh, English muffins. Um, and I don't know, it might seem silly to some people that, uh, that we're advertising English muffins, but uh, it's, it's a career it's, highlight it's, for me. This is why I do it. This is yeah, why I log in every day to they, podcast. They, they sent you some, um, they sent you and me both like a, a holiday pack of these. It was like so a treasure beautiful. chest full of carbs. It was delicious. <laughs> I know. So over, over Christmas, we were both uh, consuming a great many of these uh, stone and skillet English muffins. And uh, I know, I mean, I was eating them all the time. It's kind of like a family tradition of mine. We make like eggs Benedict on, on Christmas morning. So I brought these over and I was like, hey, I have a treasure chest of uh, English muffins. <laughs> like, you could leave the other ones uh, in there. I, I, I actually, I don't really understand that an English muffin could be like all that different, but these are very good and they're just, well, there's a, there's a lot more to them. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like they're full of air. They're six grams of protein. Uh, they're healthy. They're non-GMO certified, more nutritious. And like, there's, there's like, they're dense and uh, it's cool because they, they make, these daily they're they're hand flipped and cornmeal crusted and while you know it's uh an indulgence right to to be eating something like that what i like is you know there's like a couple mornings i just made that and i was like you know with some jam or butter on it i'm like i kind of am full you know whereas normally if i were to eat a piece of toast or something i'd be like all right i need this and this i'm hungrier somehow right 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 um so i've been uh i've been loving them and i love I love uh, stone and skillets kind of story too. You know, I are big fans of kind of companies that start off entrepreneurially. And this has been a company that was founded 10 years ago in Boston by, uh, by three brothers. One of them was working in kind of restaurant sales and stuff and was always getting requests for more English muffins or better English muffins. So they, uh, they started th- this company stone and skillet. They were making, um, 
them by hand on a granite countertop and, you know, in a cast iron skillet, that's the name stone and, and skillet. So, uh, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's a cool story. They've kind of branched out to Minnesota. They're in whole foods here now after being becoming very popular, um, in, in the Boston area and being in whole foods kind of on the, the East coast. So, I think it's a cool sponsor. I think it's an easy, cheap sponsor to be able to like. That's my thing. If it's, you're if you're a listener, and uh, yeah, go ahead. It was it's it's we're not trying to sell you cars, right? This is just a <laughs> local or not a I mean local, but getting into the market. Just a cool kind of small company that's exploded, and it's English muffins, and I think it's the best English muffin I've ever had. Yeah, because I, I ate one. I mean, again, honestly. I got a treasure chest of like forty of them, and I just eat one. Every day, I was like counting down to Christmas. I would just pull one out. It's like, oh, cool, cinnamon raisin. It's like one of those calendars with the chocolates. So yeah, totally. it's a cool story. It's just like yeah. other restaurants and other companies we've partnered with in the past that have a cool story. But it's also an elite product that it's it's an English. It's a pack of English muffins. Like you said, you can get them at Whole Foods. You can get them online. I know you have a promo code to get a little discount. Yeah. Uh, there was like literally nothing better. I swear to God, as someone who loves food, than just getting like English muffins sent in the mail to me like that was the best <laughs> christmas gift i have received uh and yeah they're delicious so mm-hmm. we're not trying to sell you something that's like sketchy it's it's the best product out there and it also has a lot of like you said protein and it's handmade everyone is flipped by a real person this is an ai uh so local product cool product uh and use promo code what is it yeah stoneandskillet.com if you want to yep. order them and have them delivered uh, you can get 20% off with promo code dane again that's stoneandskillet.com or they're just at whole foods mm. um in the bread section you know you can go over there you're not going to get 20% off doing that but yeah we would just love if you uh, as always support the sponsors that uh support us so they they don't suck but you know what does suck the timberwolves according to <laughs> anthony edwards <laughs> Good transition back. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, Ant, Ant after the game, you know, echoed sort of some of the, the frustration that, you know, that this hasn't been been working for, for this team of late. I'll, I'll start by playing that, that clip uh, from Ant after the game, and then uh, I just want to kind of get more into the Pelicans matchup in particular. Like you guys are in a bit of a funk right now, or how do you – how do you kind of come out of it? It looks like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got to figure it out. We yeah. suck right now. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest issue right now? Just within the team. Nothing I'm gonna say here. But we don't. We we talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in terms of Mike was saying that he thought you guys have had so much success all season. Maybe, becoming a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, you agree with that? Hell yeah. <laughs> what is that? Uh, how do you see it the most out there? I mean, we're looking at the same game. I think all y'all see it, um, but we're going to figure it out. What's your reaction to that, Kyle? I think there's, I don't know if this is another clip, but the, one of the things he added to is like getting that edge back defensively. And he talked about, he's like, man, I don't know. It's on us because the coaches do a great job bringing the game plan and making sure we're prepared. And the rest of it is on us. They keep asking us to play hard and they shouldn't have to say it. we got to figure it out. You were in the locker room. That was the point that I just wanted to flip back to you because I'm just – I'm curious because as I do think there's a little panic, right? I do think the arthritis is kicking in and the rain might be coming. Uh, people just, you you turn to what can I blame? And I think a lot of times it's blame Finch. And I get it now, right? I've said some of the things that are wrong with this offense. But I also always hear these quotes where it's like the question could be about something completely random and Ant and other guys will come back to being like, the coaching staff is telling us to do this. They're honest to do this. We're just not doing it. 
Do you agree with that? Because Ant's not, Ant's not PR talk. Like that's he's not trained to just say that stuff. It's like coming to him. So do you believe that the coaching staff is trying to get through to these guys? I mean, Chris, no one was less enthused about this winning streak or this performance than Chris Finch, right? He was like, we haven't really done anything. Uh, so do you believe that behind the scenes, the coaching staff is kind of digging into them to be like, hey, this is we need to get better at this, or mm-hmm. or what do you think it is? Yeah, well. I, I do think a lot of it is on the players to execute, right? And, you know, part of just the turnovers, like you were referencing so much, it's like so much of that is Ant and Cat, right? And what, like, what are you doing, Ant and Cat, that are consistently leading to turnovers, whether it's charges or live ball turnovers, more so from, from Ant there. And, like, I think that's like a perfect example of how it's both, right? It's the players and it's the coaching. Um, Ant and Carl need to have to read the floor better and not put themselves. Ant had six turnovers again last night. I think he like leads the league in total turnovers this season. Um, that that's on Ant and the others to execute around him, but it's also again on the coaches to put maybe if you see Ant in you know a a situation where he's playing in a crowd too often and turning the ball over. Maybe an adjustment needs to have again, you know, drink like better spacing um, and, and to be able to do that. So I think I think part of it is maybe the coach is putting them in better position to not hurt themselves. But a lot of it is the just a better. Like, some of those turnovers from Ant just kind of seem like, oh, my drive is done a little bit deflated and a casual pass. And I think he you know, just needs to do a better job of that. I think his teammates need to do a better job of putting him in a position to have an advantage. I I think the coaches are articulating those things to them, but yeah, there's been, there's been like a mentality shift from Ant in many ways to be a little bit more aggressive, which is leading to that. I think there's been a little bit of slippage, like we were talking about on both ends from some of the other best players uh, on on the team. And that's not just Carl. I think, you know, Rudy isn't hasn't been the elite defender that they they were before. It's just an overall sort of slippage. And I think what Ant is saying there is we all need to play harder and we need to play better. The coaches are telling us to do that. I think that them playing better part, though, is both on the coaches and them, right to put them in those positions. But the playing harder part, right, like that's just in that locker room. I think that's what Ant's saying. And you're in that locker room every night. It seems like a tight locker room. Again, they're 24 and nine. Probably worth bringing that up. Uh, do you think he? Tr- do you think Ant right now trusts his teammates? Because one thing, like again, six turnovers again last night. Uh, I am. I'm just. I'm. I always have the Luke Ridnour thing, but I don't really care who is on the team. I just like cheering for the team. I want the team to have success. When I watch Ant, it's not all on him. It's not all on Kyle. Right? Kyle's not the core of all these problems. Either is Carl, or either is Ant. But those turnovers in my mind when I watch it is just him ISOing and going one on three and he'll be out there in a rotation that also has like, I mean, last night they played Jordan McLaughlin and Kyle Anderson together. And then if you have, you know, Rudy and it doesn't matter if Steph's out there, that is a really bad shooting lineup. And I just wonder if he, if he, as this has snowballed a little bit, right. And now there's some adversity. He seems like the first person on the hierarchy. That's like, I can fix this. But his fixing it is actually making it worse. So it's yeah. not all on him either. But his well, that's ability- the, that's the mentality after the OKC game. After the OKC game, you know, he just 
And we've said this on every episode since then. You know, he said, I'm going to be more aggressive and go to my shot more. And what that means to do that is you need to go deeper into the teeth of the defense where it's easier to commit turnovers. And the teeth of the defense is so much more compact now because there is not the respect for the Wolves uh, at the three-point line surrounding Ant. So it is a situation where like teams aren't like really doing the double above the three-point line on Ant anymore. Like I think Ant gets that. He's like, all right, I'm 28 feet away from the basket. You're putting two on me. I get I understand I get off the ball here and it should be swing, swing, something in the corner, Rudy lob, whatever. Um, but it hasn't felt like that as much where it's more been like the swarm has been around Ant at like 16 feet. So even if he does effectively get the kick out there, it's the space isn't there. It, the floor has been condensed and even when they're not turning it over, and they're getting through the the double teams or the crowds, it isn't leading to as easy of looks, it feels like to me. Yeah, I just, again, these, last night was a great, I love how Britt said it in the fourth quarter, he was kind of, Ant was kind of levining, because it really was, it just, the game was kind of over, I know they only lost by like 11, but it was over basically when the fourth quarter started, but he just kind of started hunting his own shot, and he is obviously an all-world offensive player, Mm -hmm. but... It kind of goes back to when I was like, hey, if I told you that the Wolves were at full full strength and Carl had 30, mm-hmm. you'd be like, well, they probably won that game. I would love to be like, okay, they're at full strength and had nine assists. Yeah. You'd probably be like, yeah, they, they probably won that game. So he finished with five again last night, six turnovers. There's just, I think now that this adversity is hitting, something that you and I were kind of calling for. It's like, I would love to see them lose two in a row. I'd love to see them get punched in the face. This I is love that- it, but you'd be... We're interested to see the way yeah, which they see can how they respond. respond. Yeah, and they've now lost two games in a row, and it does seem like the response has been individually. And Rudy kind of said the same thing last night: mm-hmm. that okay, I can fix this. You know, Carl, like I can just drive to the basket more. I can start to get creative with my passing. No, 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 we we don't like that. And like I can just take everyone off the dribble and get to the rim. Mm-hmm. He's still getting a tough whistle. I mean, I, I think we've talked about officiating enough. I think it's just bad across the whole league. It was bad again last night on on both sides, but I just don't think those are the answers. I think the answers are, you know, like if this is held to kind of keep going through it, but keep going through it with your teammates uh, and not trying to just do it by yourself. But I've taken you 33 minutes into this. There's some real stuff, meat on the bone from last night's Pelicans game that I kind of want to talk to about too, because I think that is a, I would guess you would agree, but that might be, as I'm starting to figure out, okay, I still think, yes, they're going to make the playoffs probably in a top four to six seed. I don't think they want to play the Pelicans, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's... that. That's know, a tough matchup. Yeah, and it is it is a tough matchup. And uh, they've lost to the Pelicans pretty convincingly both of the times that, that Zion plays. It's weird that we're this early into the season and they're done playing. They've already played the Pelicans four times and just kind of was going through that last night after the game. It's like, okay, they first time they played the Pelicans on November 8th, they destroyed them. Remember, like Matt Ryan yeah. played like 30 minutes. It was no Zion, no CJ McCollum, no Herb Jones, no Jose Alvarado, no Najee Marshall, and the Wolves were at full strength. There was a target center. They killed them. Um, then they the second time they play them, they go to New Orleans, and they win 121 to 120. The, the Wolves do. 
It's a back-to-back for the Pelicans. They also didn't have Zion in that game. Again, didn't have McCollum. Again, didn't have Alvarado. Wolves were healthy. Now, these last two times that they played them, the the Pelicans have been healthy, you know. And I think at that bit, the not last night, but the previous time when they played against Zion and the Pelicans, it was right after that in-season tournament, and Zion had like 37, 38 in that game. And it was kind of like everybody had been ripping on Zion for the – past week and he kind of took it out on the wolves but ant wasn't in that game and so you're kind of like all right i still don't have a i still don't really understand who the pelicans are right because mm-hmm. i haven't seen mm-hmm. them that much they haven't seen themselves that much at that time and you're like okay ant didn't play they lose by 14 in new orleans okay and then you know last night it was two teams at full strength. It wasn't back-to-back for the Pelicans, but they kind of sat all their guys in the second half of uh, their game on, on Wednesday night. It didn't didn't really feel like a credit to the Pelicans. Um, didn't really feel like a back-to-back performance for, for them, but uh, they lost that. So it's two and two. Um, beat the Pelicans both times. They didn't have Zion and lost to him the, the two times they did. And I think this is, for me, an extension kind of of the Knicks game of a, a weakness that this team has um, is being able to defend those scoring fours. And I know Julius Randle is a little bit different than, than Zion Williamson is. There's part of the pull-up game in there with Randle that Zion uh, doesn't have, but it, it doesn't feel like the Wolves really have an answer for guarding that type of player. I found it interesting uh, that they a- approached the Zion matchup so differently than they did the Julius Randle matchup. It was all Cat and Kyle on Julius Randle on whenever that game was on, on New Year's Day. And then right away last night, they put Ant on Zion as as the matchup. And then Nas Reed was the other guy who guarded him. A little bit of Kyle Anderson in there too. I, I thought I like the Ant on Zion mm-hmm. part of that. I think that's the best matchup that this team has for that type of scoring four if it's a more of it's a Sabonis or an Embiid right you're going to put Gobert on him but they don't want to give Zion that runway leading up so they had Ant out there pressed up on Zion they had Nas picking him up at like half court and uh, I, I thought it was interesting obviously it wasn't a good game Wolves got smoked last night but I I like the idea of trying different things particularly uh in an element of the game that appears to be a weakness for them. It's like, all right, let's, let's see what can, can Nas do. Like Nas hasn't been a good defender this year. Could have Nas had his Wendell Moore game on John Morant. Like that's, that's what hey you now. were. No, I mean, that's what right. you were. That's what Finch was hoping for. And um, I still don't think they have an answer for that. And maybe there just aren't answers for great answers for a Julius Randall and uh, a Zion Williamson. But what I really take, from this matchup and again, potentially thinking about it for the playoffs is like, that's where it starts is you need to figure out what your best means for starting and slowing Zion Williamson is, and then go from there. Cause there's other issues on that team. I mean, Valanciunas didn't really do anything last night, but that's an offensive rebounding threat around him. Right. Brandon Ingram is a huge three who, you know, it's about the same size as Jaden. Jaden doesn't can't really shut that off in the way that he can shut off other people. CJ McCollum is a totally a offensive weapon there too. That 
I don't feel like the Wolves have a given how they're matching up elsewhere. Like you'd like to put Jade McDaniels on CJ McCollum, but you need to put Jade McDaniels on Brandon Ingram. So um, it's it is it's not a it's not a great matchup for the Wolves. And if they the, these two teams do match up in the playoffs, um, I'm not saying it's like a loss for sure, but there's a lot of other teams in that same sort of good team tier in the West as the Pelicans are that I feel like this team matches up better against. Yeah. They, ha- they have a lot of what the Wolves have, right? Like you said, like obviously there's a weak comparisons, but like Valanciunas can is a great rebounder and can attack the offensive glass and is a paint presence. It's kind of what Rudy is. They even have, you know, Jose Alvarado is just Jordan McLaughlin on speed. Right. Uh, but it's funny that you bring up the Zion and thing. I'm with you. I don't think Ant is necessarily the strongest player on the team just in general, but per capita for his size, he's probably the strongest guy. So putting him on New Orleans' strongest player was mm-hmm. a really interesting. Wrinkle. I like that. I liked it. And then also too, and I don't even know. If, I don't know if this is possible. I don't know if you can be born in a coma. But if I was born in a coma and I just woke up yesterday and I was the first day of all basketball I watched, I would be hard pressed to not say like, "Hey, is Brandon Ingram the best player in the league?" <laughs> Because he is, his shot making, I mean, he, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, honestly, I would do a whole podcast just on Brandon Ingram. Like, he should be like a top 10 guy. His, like, he is basically, I know we've comped it to Kevin Durant a little bit, but maybe we can pull that one back. But, like, if Jaden McDaniels could be dollar and a half store Brandon Ingram, his, his handle, his ability to just point at the floor and be like, I want to get a shot from there mm-hmm. and then just make it. I mean, he, he still kind of crushes you in the mid range, but it's another one. So, like, Zion's just bigger than Ant, and Brandon Ingram's just kind of, I think, maybe bigger than Jaden or on that same sphere. So they don't really have the, like, matchup advantages in a lot of spots. I guess the one that I would think of is, like, they're probably going to part a Herb Jones or a, I don't know, Trey Murphy on, like, Carl. So you would think that's got to be our advantage. Carl's bigger than him. They can take him off the dribble, can just space. But, that yeah, it was weird last night. I don't know if I would say the Pelicans are, like, the number one threat because – at some point, the Denver Nuggets probably yeah. need to get some respect. But but it is interesting given it, that you go yeah. like, oh, I know how the Wolves match up with Denver. Like, you know, yep. you're going to put Cat on him and you're going to have Gobert lurk off of Gordon. And you're going to trust that, you know, Jaden McDaniels and Nikhil Alexander-Walker do a good job of limiting Jamal Murray. Um, there's, there's a greater confidence in the game plan, I think, against Denver. It doesn't mean that Denver is a worse team than New Orleans, but... It's just an interesting thing with this Wolves roster as it's constituted is like some different matchups fit them better. And when we have these playoff conversations, you're going to, you know, if it's a, if it's a Pelican series, we're going to, we're going to have a lot of things of like, these are three, four, five things where you're like, this is what the Wolves need to answer here. And I do think while the game last night wasn't a success, I liked some of the things that they tried and I do think against a big team, you need to move the ball well. And while that was terrible in the second half, I thought they moved the ball really well in the first half. And they were getting good looks. They weren't making them. And that just kind of comes with it. But I, I think, you know, you just got to solve the Zion matchup. You got to move the ball offensively to generate good looks against a big kind of slow-footed team. And you need to find little adjustments and pivots that uh that helped you i thought it was really interesting that i mean when was the last time we saw nas reed just playing center with both cat and rudy not on the floor you wouldn't think that that like part of your brain goes well why would that be the first time that that happens 
for extended minutes against the biggest team in the league in the Pelicans. I was like, okay, that's Finch's way and this roster's way of being like, maybe our best thing to do here is to go faster against mm-hmm. them. Yep. We've seen other teams do that to us, and that hurts our big identity at times. Then went with Nas at the five for a good chunk, which really played Valanciunas off the floor. I don't know if Valanciunas is like the most is not one of the most important pieces on that, but you're like, okay, the Wolves kind of can break the Pelicans' identity there. Um, by going a little bit smaller, then went a little bit smaller again by having Jordan McLaughlin play. I just wrote that down. I was like, interesting. Interesting counter to playing a really big team as a really big team yourself by leaning into the smaller elements uh, and faster elements of your identity. And I just because that game was a blowout, I don't. it doesn't make me disagree with those moves, having Ant on them, playing smaller and faster sometimes. I think if we are doing a playoff, preview down the line of this matchup you go okay well these are some weapons that the wolves have too against this team uh that you know it's it's not all a disadvantage here it's just you got to kind of balance out the the stakes a little bit today's show is brought to you by doer d-u-e-r and my doer jeans are the most comfortable piece of clothing i own i've really been wearing them everywhere recently i wore them to christmas eve dinner and then I wore them to the Wolves-Lakers game a few days later because they're formal enough to pull off for a dinner and comfortable enough to be more casual. What I love most about these pants is that they actually make me like jeans again. Uh, before Dewar sent me some of these jeans, honestly, I just wasn't a jeans guy. I didn't like the feeling of super stiff denim. But Dewar jeans are my go-to because they're not stiff like that. Dewar stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel is designed for all-day comfort and durability. They have styles for men and women that can be worn all year round. Doer's denim is antibacterial, which means less washing, made of temperature regulating fabrics for moisture management. The performance denim fabric has cool max technology, keeping me cool and dry in any weather and the fireside and all weather denim styles are perfect for staying warm. Doer clothes are sustainably crafted, so they'll last in my closet for years I absolutely love my Dewar jeans, and I know you will too. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use the special URL, shopdue.com slash Dane Moore. You'll want to take advantage of this because Dewar never goes on sale. Don't wait. Get 15% off. Now by going to shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Yeah, I, I kind of this is this is related to what you said because you've said it three times now about how Finch was just trying some new stuff, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think that always maybe comes across unless you kind of point it out, because you know end of the day they lose a game and they're kind of getting blown out. So I guess Finch tried some stuff and it didn't work. What is the goal of this season? Would be like my real overarching twenty twenty four the final fifty some games question is like what is what is this team's goal? Is it to get the one seed? In the, in the regular season, because then you probably should stop experimenting. That should no ways be the goal. The goal should be to get a top four seed in the West. To have, I mean, target center is now what? You're still 14-2 and two at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have a home playoff series, not one of these play-in situations again. You want to be at home for the first round and then maybe, you know, a second round. And if that is your goal, your intended goal, of let's just try to be top four in the West, they should continue to try to experiment with things. Again, it didn't go well last night, but... The Jordan McLaughlin thing is an experiment, right? And there are some negatives to playing him. He can't space the floor, but he gives you that Elvarado kind of jolt. And one thing that Jim and Grady pointed out last night, and they're on the buses with these guys, they're on the planes with these guys, is they kind of look exhausted. And I know people don't love that when it comes to athletes and millions of dollars, but they're in this storm, right? They're on the final quarter, final chapter of this 16-game stretch, and maybe they are just a little tired and burnt out and I would hope and I ranted about this last week that Finch would continue to try yeah. things I don't know if Leonard Miller is going to get a chance I know he had a career high in the G League last night but he also got ejected a week ago for throwing the ball into the stands like maybe it's not Leonard Miller and Josh Mine on Wendell Moore but and we can save this for the I guess the last segment but I I would bring back Shake Milton I would bring back Troy Brown Jr. I would just try to get a little burst and jolt out of who's on the bench because if, if you're not going to play those guys and you're kind of going through hell now and, you know, you're going to keep going, if those guys aren't going to help you, then that answers the whole conversation about a month from now at the trade deadline. Like, then they got to go. You got to go find someone else that can give you a little bit of a jolt because this team has kind of milked everything they can right now from the starting five. And I still think that's a great starting five. I think they can win you a playoff series. But they need a, they need a little jolt right now. And who is going to give it to them? Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I had that thought too of like there's elements of last night's game or some of the multiple of the, the last few games where you go, Oh, they could use some of Jordan McLaughlin's pace and and activity that, that, that he brings into the group. You also go, Well, this team could have also used some more shooting, mm-hmm. right? Um, over these last few games, or it's like since Christmas. They could have also like transitions really dried up. You know, they could have used more of that. Well, it's like, okay, Jordan McLaughlin adds that pace. Troy Brown Jr. adds some shooting. Shake Milton, that's what he kind of brings is is that transition element playing against a shifted defense. And I'm not sure those are great answers for all of those things, but they're the answers that this team currently has. And what I'm thinking is what if it were multiple of them? What if yeah. you had J-Mac playing and also Shake Milton playing? you know, to get two elements of that 
or Jordan McLaughlin and Troy Brown or Troy Brown and Shake Milton to, to do that. That's not going to happen as because they're not going to go to to 10 guys and there just isn't minutes to do it. And it makes me be like, huh, I'd be interested if Jordan McLaughlin and Troy Brown both played in a game off of the bench, what that would bring. And if Kyle Anderson didn't play. And I'm not suggesting that Kyle should get benched just because I kind of know he's not going to. But there, there's part of me that's like, oh, if it was a back-to-back or something like that or, you know, back spasms or something popped up for for Kyle again. I'm curious what this would look like a game where Kyle didn't play. Does that make sense? Where it's like, all right, we know Kyle Anderson brings a lot of positive things to this team. But if we move the remove those positive things and we remove the negative things that he's bringing right now in terms of his spacing and shot making and, and that sort of stuff, what would that look like? You know, and uh, I think given what this team is struggling with right now, you could make a case that it would be helpful, even if I don't love the options that would come in to replace him in Brown, Milton and, and McLaughlin. But it's something I've been thinking about. Again, what is the goal? here was this team built was this push the chips in to try to win 55 games or was it to break this hideous playoff curse because mm-hmm. to me it's like the 24 and 9 this has been the greatest start in all 35 year history of the franchise we're not even 50 percent through the season and you just had your first two game losing streak you know everything's crumbling down around you and you look up and you're still first in the west and you're still you know four games up on like the five seeds so this experimenting thing you're talking about, I'm I'm with it, and I'm with you on the lean into it even further. Don't just try one, one. You know, I mean, every player in this rotation clearly does something well, but there are some guys at this current moment that probably have more negatives than they do positives. So why not just try switching things up? And that's probably the biggest criticism of a Finch would be he's a little more Tibbs than he is a little more you know wild wild professor experimenter guy is that he's just going to kind of lean into the guys that got him there and i thought i just thought it was really eye-opening because jim and grady said it i think three times on the call last night these guys kind of look exhausted and if that's the case i think other teams around the league i mean i said this last week the celtics play a bunch of random guys they're the best team in the league like they just throw out you know the housers and the 10-day guys just to give them a little spark find a spark like find a spark and it might not have to go all the way down to the the guys you don't trust, Leonard Miller, Luca Garza, Wendell Moore, but Troy Brown Jr. or Jordan McLaughlin and Shake, just try to get weird with it a little bit because what's mm-hmm. you might lose a couple games, right? But there's still 50 some left to figure out, and you're probably going to find your groove again in March or April. So that would be, I, that'd I, be I a way to fix it. I, I do think that that's Finch's mentality. Just from when we were at practice the other day, he basically said J Mac was going to play and take that ninth spot in the the rotation, but he also followed it up with like. We're going to go back to shake at times and we're going to go back to Troy Brown Jr. at times like this isn't mm, okay. a, like so I think there is an open mindedness based on not even really based on matchup, but like based on what the team need is is struggling with at the time, which that's why I think J-Mac made sense last night. This team's been turning the ball over a ton. Um, they've gotten, they've slowed down, bogged down offensively. So it's like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to be a Jordan McLaughlin time. Maybe there is a time uh, where where somebody else makes sense. But I think we're spending all this time talking about the ninth man and the, that 12-minute-a-night role and wanting that to have some profound impact, and it's not going to. 
that's too small of a role to have a profound impact. It's kind of, to me, feeling like with that second unit, something, and I don't know what the answer is, something bigger has to happen to get them to be a better offensive group in, in those sort of ways. And, you know, maybe just some of it's coaching and stuff too. I don't think the offense has been, has been really clean. I do think though, like the, you know, kind of the, the last thing I had on here is the, is the defense, right? I do. The defense has pretty much sustained in terms of effectiveness, even over this, you know, they were before this difficult stretch, they were number one. Would you say they're like four Fourth, or five or yeah, six yeah. or something like that? Like, and I find myself frustrated with a lot of the things the Wolves are doing offensively um, and pointing to some things that I think make sense in my head offensively to do differently. And so that's right in some ways inherently a indictment or questioning of Finch. But defensively, they found a diversity of styles with which to play. Um, they haven't been as sharp with that. But prior to last night, they've been kind of continuing to play really good and consistent defense. And it's nice that that provides a little bit uh, of a floor for this team right now. But last night you learned if you don't have that floor, which they didn't in that one game, maybe because they were tired, the bottom can, can really sort of drop off. It's the, the four worst defensive games of the season thus far this year in order of points per possession allowed is the worst one was the Phoenix game. Uh, when they when they went there in the back to back again tired and kind of got smoked there the Oklahoma City game was the next worst defensive game which also kind of felt like a back to back but mm -hmm. the front end of the back to the back was Christmas uh the third worst game defensively was the Atlanta game uh that was just having no answer for DeJounte Murray in the in the second half of that game there and then last night against the Pelicans uh, was the the fourth worst defensive game in terms of uh, points per possession allowed. But I don't have, I do have like a confidence that this Wolves defense, the expectation is above competence every single mm -hmm. night. Like I, that to me is more of like I look at those bad games and I look at that's kind of like more of a flash in the pan. Uh, now they do need to get back to some of the things that they were doing better defensively before, right? Because the defense leads to offense. Uh, but I just find myself frustrated with some of the things that Finch is doing or not doing uh, as a coach offensively. And I think a good balancing point is to remember he's made a really good defense work here, a diverse yeah. defense work. They, they found ways to make the Rudy lineups work, the cat lineups work, the not, you know, uh, in yeah, they're they're continuing broadly to to be a a good defensive team, which makes which has made them seven and five in this twelve game stretch, even when the offense has been dismal. But this kind of all summarizes to why I'm not at the top, right? I do think there are people concerned, and I I get that. But when you look at, I have a third of a word document open. And it's like you start to look at these numbers, and yeah, seven and five stretch over the last twelve a stretch of games that have been against some of the best and, you know, people are concerned. And I would have guessed if I would have asked you this, like, what do you think the defensive rating is? I would imagine you might have thought, or a, a listener might've thought it's worse than fourth. Mm -hmm. So it slipped, but it's still the fourth best, you know, essentially defense in the league. But that's interesting that between, you know, we talked about turnover percentage and 30th to 29th, the difference between the wolves having the best defense in the league and the fourth best defense 
is being a top team in the league and being average, right? Mm-hmm. Like right now until they solve this offense. So I don't know. I just, I, not to harp on it again, but I just I keep coming back to this has been so much fun, but we're not even to like the midway point. And yeah. this season is a grind. And if you can take your blue and green hats off, like if you watched any other team play the type of defense the Wolves played for the first 25, 30 games, you'd be like, yeah, that's not sustainable. Like we'll give them a pass. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to give them a pass here because it's hard to play that level of defense every single night, especially when your rotations are pretty solid and six or seven guys are always going to play 25 to 30 minutes every single night. They don't rest players, right? Like this is mm-hmm. Ants missed a couple games, Carl's missed a couple games, Jaden. But if you can tie your shoes, you're going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, and I would imagine that defense comes back. Again, it's been bad and it's still awesome. But the offensive stuff, the turnovers – their inability to make threes, and then just that inability to... Again, I know it's weird because I think Shake Milton has probably run its course with a lot of people that watch this team, but I just think they got to try some stuff again, and that's the whole purpose well, of this marathon is yeah. try a different pace for a couple miles. Try try running faster. Try running harder. Like, just see... Try different people running the marathon and see what happens. Yeah, it, it's... Right, the, the question come deadline will be... Does this team need to add what of these three things? Backup point guard, movement shooter, or buck offensive bucket getter? And I know my answer, by the way. And I think it's different. It's yeah, offensive bucket getter. Yeah, no, I think that's what I think that's what, what mine is too, actually. And it's close with it's close with movement shooter, but I I think you it's weird. The three guys on your bench that you're trading this around for are a Backup point guard, a movement shooter, and a bucket getter. McLaughlin, Jordan McLaughlin, and... Troy Brown Jr., and Shake Milton. I went and looked, I just Googled this last night halfway through the game. You knew the game was over. But the, I mean, that's why, like, if you share the belief that Kyle and I do, and it's fine if you don't, I think a lot of people go, What the hell are you talking about? Like, this team obviously just needs shooting. Um, but if you like the idea of a bucket getter or think that's the answer, then the internal temporary answer for that is Shake Milton. And mm-hmm. and that is yeah, it's cheap. Uh, I say this all the time from like an organizational standpoint. It's always cheaper to like promote from within than it is to go out externally and recruit yeah. and try to find. And I will say, last night at halftime when the bridges were burning, I just googled twenty three, twenty four NBA salaries, and Basketball Reference has a really cool page, and you can see every single salary for that year. And you know what? Shake makes five, a flat five per year. Kyle makes like ten. And you go look, and you're like, okay, I need a, do we need a backup point guard? Do we need a movement shooter? Do we need a bucket getter? Go look at some of those salaries. Like, the names, I know we're getting into trade season. I know everyone loves Tyus Jones, and maybe maybe they can pull that off. The problem is is that there are 28 other teams that would probably have interest in him and can dangle draft compensation that the Wolves can't. But it it's not the sexy thing because when you're when things are going wrong, you just want new stuff. I mean, you know, you know my wife. Like, just throws things out all the time. Let's get new stuff. Then th- that might not be the answer. That's the answers might be internally, and it might be there's your backup point guard, there's your bucket getter, there's your you know movement shooter, and I just think those guys need another chance because I don't know Jaden's not the same right now. They also because of the Gobert thing, a lot of teams always play like four shooters right and and a non shooter. The Wolves these last couple of weeks have almost always played at least two non shooters: Jordan McLaughlin, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert. And they just, I mean, just simply in 2024, you can't do that anymore. You have to have more guys out there that can put pressure on the defense. And they're not, I mean, uh, a Jordan McLaughlin, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, Nas Reed, 
you know, Jade McDaniel's lineup is just not going, it's going to grind teams out. It's like running the ball every play. That's not the way to fix this offense. So we'll see. We'll see if, if Finch does lean back into those guys. He's been pretty transparent about putting them in and pulling them back out. But that might be the answer. It might not be outside there. It might be inside the house. Let's uh, grab our final break here, uh, Kyle. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Uh, prizepicks.com, prizepicks.com, prizepicks app. It's a $100 sign-up bonus if you use the promo code Dane. Uh, Kyle, we normally do the NFL slate. I have not <laughs> been paying attention to the NFL this week. It's week 18. Um, I don't really know who is in and out. Just quickly, do you have uh, do you have a couple NFL ones for you? I, I did I did two NBA ones. I said, give me Bissell over 19 and a half tonight. They're on, on TNT. And I'll take Giannis under 34 and a half uh, points tonight against the Spurs. Do you have any quick NFL ones that you like? Yeah, I got a couple notes here written down about Jeff Driscoll playing quarterback. <laughs> uh, no, the, the NFL ones are, this is going to be the toughest week for anything, right? Yeah. There's so many bad But it's a fun way. It, 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 it incentivizes, if you're going to be watching on Sunday, it's like, and right. And it's probably, there's some value in there that uh, the books and the line setters of all these apps and websites they don't really have a lot of details on on jeff driscoll so uh, my favorite thing on the nfl side is to just go to like the rushing and receiving touchdowns kind of find the little uh demons and just you know pair a couple touchdown guys together it boosts your odds so if you say you know um Najee harris is going to have a touchdown and maybe dalton schultz right like i think that Mm -hmm. comes out to be six to one so you're literally just banking on touchdowns but also too that might be a fun way to watch a game is just Mm -hmm. keep an eye on it and see if these guys get in the end zone so you know, pair any two touchdown scores that have a little red emoji next to them, and it's uh, six to one. So th- that's kind of fun. Five bucks, right? Yep, that's Do five bucks and win thirty. If that then you can win, then you can yeah. buy like sixty English muffins, right? Turnovers <laughs> bad, English muffins good. So I uh, I love doing that. But yeah, the NBA they have like Taco Tuesday, they have all these discounts. Fridays like Flex Friday. So there's fun ways to still play very low stakes, but get your money back, have insurance on type of that stuff, uh, and just have a good time and. They're continuously finding more categories and more sports. So I really enjoy playing prize picks and I appreciate that they support the pod. Yeah. Prizepicks.com, prize picks app. Again, $100 sign up bonus with uh, promo code Dane. Kyle, very uh, last thing I know you got to get out of here. No, we're going to get out of here pretty, pretty soon. Um, we spent, honestly, probably too much time talking about the ninth men on, <laughs> on this team. I, I think. Just one of the the answers here that doesn't answer every single problem about the spacing and this and that and the energy, whatever, is just getting on November Carl Anthony Towns back. What what do you think? What do you think makes that happen? That version, remember, there was that the, the long road trip, the, the Golden State. Uh, it was like that six game road trip. I think it ended with the the Phoenix game. But you were like, it's like okay, Carl's here. He started slow at the beginning of the season. And then that November kind of it was it was when you're like, okay, he's now he's 50, 40, 90. He's all of these things. It really came back. How, how do you get that version of Carl back? Because that might be as good of an answer as anything to solve this team's issues. Probably a physical therapist or a sports psychologist, because he's, he's either going through something mental again. I mean, he had he had that Celtics game, which is probably the worst game of his season because it was just kind of all the bad stuff that Carl can do, low production, high turnovers, straight voltage. Uh, and since that exact game, he was awesome. And yeah. it went all the way until he hurt his knee 
and then it has dovetailed since then. So, and we, you know, I know we all see the injury reports and we talk to the coaches like, but we don't actually know the health of these guys. We don't know their zero to a hundred percent energy bar. Sure. Uh, so is he still even There's a lot of KT t- tape on those knees underneath the tights, you know, and he had the, the left knee soreness. I mean, that was the, that was the turning point in, in his production was the, right. I mean, it's, they said, uh, Finch said, we've been in second gear falling off since the Sacramento game. The, the game Carl missed with left knee soreness was the Sacramento game. And then he, you know, comes back and pretty clearly wasn't a hundred percent for OKC or, and maybe still isn't totally that. I, I think that you're right. That might just be part of the answer is him that knee stopping being sore. If it is still sore to be able to have that burst, to take guys off the dribble again, like he was um, in November. You're right. Maybe some it, of it is just help. Is it, but it, I'm, I'm being super serious here. Is it dumb to say or to think if he just took more threes, some of this, all the weird stats I've pulled from the last 12 game stretch would at least be like, if it was a zit, like you just pop it a little bit, like at least relieve yeah. some of the pressure. Because I, again, I, I know this can be made out to be more complicated than it is. And you and Britt can really dive into some of the details of it. But to me, it's just like, okay, so they turn the ball over a lot. That's sometimes Carl driving into what I just said was a very clustered paint right now because they're 28th and three points attempted. You know, like teams are thinking they're probably going to try to get to the rim. If he just lets it fly more, uh, again, I, I know I joked about this. It was a joke, but I do like two or three times a game wonder if some of these guys are thinking about what their stats are. Like, is he thinking I'm 50, 40, 90? Because it would be better if that didn't exist or that club didn't exist. Like, just let it fly. And if you take six and you only hit two of them, I don't know if the four misses are bad. Like, yeah. do the four misses outweigh the two makes? I know that sounds really mundane, but just spreading the floor is going to help Ant. It's going to help Jaden. It's going to help Rudy. Uh, the lob to Rudy is, like, not there <laughs> yeah. anymore. Uh, like, that is just not a play. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's Kyle the unlocker, you know, Mike speaking French. That play is no longer there, and that's because, like you said, the spacing is not there. And to get Carl back to November again, if he's got a lot of Kyle Tuggy tape on him, like, I don't, I don't know if he just needs to be rested for a game. I know that team, this team's just not going to do that, but... When... I think, I think Kyle, he needs to figure out or be told what, like, be put into a rhythm, right? And there's been a couple of the games, like the first possession of the game, right, has been, like, designed for a duck-in for Cat. Like, I think they're trying to get Cat going early in games. I think what the confusion is, and I, I, this, my thought of this being confusion is, will be fueled by what Kat told me after the game. I'll play that clip in a second. I'm not sure Carl knows what his one best thing to do is for this team. You know, we, we can, we can think about all these other years, you know, the Gerson uh, Rosa's Ryan Saunders year was cat up at the top of the key. It's like, it's that weapon as the, as the quarterback um, at the, the top of the key for the team. There's been years back with Tibbs where it was like, the post uh, the year before Rudy got here was the pump and go game. I don't feel like Carl has that one thing right now or knows which one he should be aiming at to be his, his go-to offensive weapon to, to fuel his offense. I, and I don't know what it is either. I, I asked him about it after the game and 
sounds like he's kind of trying to figure that out too. Playing your individually best basketball, what what do you think in those games you've been doing the most of this season? Me, myself? Yeah, you individually. Uh, probably different than it was in previous seasons is what I'm kind of getting at. I don't know. I just, I just do whatever is asked, you know, to get done to be able to help my team and, you know, just follow what the coaching staff has in plan for me that game. And, you know, obviously sometimes it's going to be different. Like I said, right. sometimes it's going to be, we ask you to get you 40. We're going to put the ball in your hands a lot more tonight. And uh, I'm going to try and do that. And some other nights it's going to be like, you know, get the ball and pass it around and get other people open. So, um, you know, whatever the game plan is, I'm going to try to execute it as best as I can for my teammates and help, help, help. You kind of know that in advance. There's kind of like an idea of the, the matchup and what that is going to push you to do offensively. Yeah, I mean, you have a good idea of what the coaches want, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, how they want uh, the game to play out, kind of how they, you know want me to play. So, just do whatever it takes. Win. Um, obviously, it's done pretty good for our record. So. May not be, you know, all the time what uh, fans want to see, but you know, it brings the wins, and that's all we care about bringing the fans. I thought that was an interesting answer. You know, right? like he is. I don't think he knows what the answer to that is because sometimes the answer is different matchup to matchup. I, I think it would they would do well. He would do well to have a go to. You know, or a mm-hmm. fallback option, something. What, 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 what did you think of that? I mean, just I'm thinking of pots and pans and how long Carl's been here, and my wife just wanted to get rid of and get new pots and pans, and that's I think how some people look at Carl. He's been here the longest, and I think he's the easiest one to criticize. I just, and this is just me. This is just me. I just like him more than others, and I think those quotes. I thought all the quotes last night were not funny Pat Bev podcast quotes. They were just real. Like I, I do think and people don't like this, that I, I think he has sacrificed more throughout this whole thing, right? Like, it was back to your Gerson Rosa stuff. Like, it was his team. And I don't mean, like, in a weird dynamic. It was just he probably had a better understanding of what I need to do to win, even though they weren't winning many games, when it was, like, him and D'Lo, him and Wiggins. Uh, and then you bring in Ant, and now that changes a lot of it. And now you bring in Rudy, and that changes it again. I just... I think it was the Mavericks game, right? After Ant had the quotes about in about the OKC stuff or whatever, he's just going to shoot. And he came out in that first quarter and he was just attacking. That was the Mavericks game, right? Mm-hmm. I actually thought that was detrimental. I would rather that be Carl just in the first quarter. Like I would love for Carl to get 15 in the first. Like sure. let him be the establish, establish the run type guy and, and finding specific play calls, not like just that. flow, specific play calls. There was a couple times against the Knicks and the Lakers where they would call timeout and Finch ran awesome plays to get Carl a wide open three. They have the capability of doing that. And then let Ant be, you know, your closer. Let Ant be the guy that comes in in the fourth, and that's when he's going to get his 12 to 15. That, to me, is the correct formula for this team. I don't want to see Ant come out in kill mode because I don't – the first quarter is usually just feeling each other out. Let Carl – Think about how many of the losses have started with that. I just even think of the he scored the first ten points of the season. No, I do, I do. I'm saying like, how many of the losses this season have started with Ant going off in the first quarter? The the, again, the Raptors game, 
first 10 points of the season, I'm pretty sure, were, were scored by Ant. And and in you're right. And that's a tricky thing for Ant, you know, to be fair. And probably some people are like, why the hell are you getting mad at Ant for starting the game? Four, not getting four. mad at anyone. Like, no. no one is to blame for this. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. you yeah. have there – are, there are guys that make more money. So, like, it is harder to trade Carl for the people that don't like Carl than it is to trade Kyle. But Kyle is easier – you know, it's easier to move Kyle than is Carl. So that's why he is – on the top of potential trade lists, right? Like I know the salary and the second apron and all that stuff, but for now, there nothing has changed in my mind. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. Nothing has changed in my mind that Carl is still like he is still the ceiling to all of this. And when he is comfortable in his quotes last night, just tell me a guy that's like overthinking. He just is yeah. in his own head. He doesn't really have a clear idea. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's why I wanted to play that. I don't. I don't do that to be like. Carl's lost, and that's a terrible thing. I said I play that and point to it to be like Carl is still figuring out what his best ways to nightly impact this team are. And it's weird because they change. I think that's what he's saying is the what they need me to do night to night at a position I'm still learning and I'm being guarded by different types of players. And sometimes I'm getting doubled, and sometimes I'm not like he's still figuring out all of those things and um yeah I, I i do think that's something that if carl being a four can work like i'm talking about big picture if carl being a four can work it's gonna come over the course of this season and it's gonna and the the offense is gonna get better and he's gonna grow in a, a confidence and it's gonna be the first quarter stuff and maybe from some of that confidence then for the second and third quarters, he'll be more willing to space. And then guys can come in and it's more of an open floor. Like we've always said, the ceiling is with Carl. I think even just more immediately, he can break open, break them out of this, this offensive fog. So we'll see. Next up is uh, Houston on, uh, on Friday. Or again, we're not going to have a Friday pod. Uh, after that is is Dallas. Uh, on on Sunday, I will be at that game. I'm going on this road trip, Dallas, Orlando, Boston. So um, we're going to be recording some pods, be a little bit different of a week uh, in in that sort of way to uh, maybe some more post-game pods. I know Britt's going to be on the road with me in Orlando. Chris uh, will will be there as well. So uh, a lot more to come, but, but no more pods uh, until Monday. Uh, we'll see how this team bounces back against uh the rockets on friday and and dallas on sunday kyle i appreciate you doing it they're 24 and 9 that doesn't mean that it's all roses right but they have built this lead in the marathon for a reason they've played good ball they have signature wins they have played teams without their best player they have played teams without minnesota's best player mm -hmm. that's kind of the nature of this 82 mile marathon sprint whatever uh and I'm excited. I'm excited for you and Britt and others to get on the road a little bit because yeah. this, I think it's a huge stretch right here. I think February is all about a trade deadline and an all-star break and everyone going to Cabo and then March is kind of like flipping the switch. I think January, historically, for this team and for every other team and every other season, January is the most interesting month of the NBA to me because that's when you really start to see how teams deal with the ebbs and flows, the adversity, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're in it right now. So Yeah, it'll be – I mean – it, it's part of the reason why I booked this trip a while back. I was like, I, I thought about it. I'm like, this is going to be a kind of defining stretch to me where they could really show me something too. 
and it's going to be it's going to be tough. It's going to be probably Dallas back to to full strength. I go to play Orlando in Orlando, uh, a team that's you know played really well this season into a back to back in Boston. Um, it's a it's an interesting energy to be entering it with, you know, coming off of this uh, first time losing two games in a row. But I'm I'm fascinated to see uh, how it plays out. Uh, so until Monday, he's Kyle at Kyle Tiggy on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. Thank you for subscribing uh, to the YouTube channel and uh, following all of our stuff on Instagram and TikTok at Dane Moore NBA underscore podcast. Until Monday, yes, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let sandals ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah